Okay, here we go. Another edition of Channel Partners podcast, Coffee with Craig and Kevin. I'm Craig Galbraith, Channel Partners executive editor. Joining me, as always, the man who looked at the eclipse without his special glasses, business development lead, Mr. Kevin Morris. Kevin, how are you? Craig, I can hear you, but I can't see you for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened the other day, but whew, I don't see so good anymore. But uh, it's great to be here. Great to be here. Another fantastic introduction from the Craig man. What'd you think of the eclipse? The percentage that you saw anyway? Well, here in the D.C. area, we were at 80% totality, which is, I love saying that, totality. (laughs) That's my new buzzword. I thought it was pretty cool. I went out and actually snapped a shot over my shoulder and didn't get much. It it was cool. It got a little darker right around 240 here when we were at our peak totality. And, you know, it's just, it is pretty amazing what goes on over our heads all the time that sometimes we don't pay attention to, although... Everything goes over my head lately. Uh, What did you think of it, buddy? Uh, (laughs) That was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, Here in Phoenix, we only had 63%. So it really wasn't much more than just a cloud going by the sun or or the equivalent. I actually talked to my parents who were at about 92% up in the Northwest. And uh, they said it was about the same. So apparently, if you weren't in the path of totality, it wasn't really that impressive. But in the path, I mean, that was a different deal. I enjoyed watching the coverage on TV from the places that were in the path of, what is it again? Totality. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Kevin, in your honor, because I know you did enjoy the clips, I put together this little montage of, of music relevant to the solar eclipse. I wondered if you wanted to hear it. Craig, you know I do, man. Let's do it. Black hole sun Behind the sun Ain't no sunshine when she's gone Sunshine On my shoulders Here comes the sun I think that's enough. Obviously, our intern producer who put that together doesn't know the difference between the celestial sun and a sun, as in a son and daughter type sun. So, you know, we probably better move on at this point, Cap. <laughs> Much like the intern, I'm not exactly sure what you just said. You, you lost <laughs> me at celestial. <laughs> so, you know, Craig, Austin, Texas is actually going to be in the path of totality September 25th through the 28th with Channel Partners Evolution and SDXE coming to town. So let me please uh, give our audience two quick things that will help our show eclipse all the other shows that they've been to so far this year. So first, I know we've talked about it a little bit prior to this edition of the podcast, but would be Channel Partners Evolution food truck experience, I'm calling it, where we're going to have food trucks in the back of the expo hall. So it's great to come by. We're definitely going to have them during the opening reception and during the uh, final day of the expo from 10 to uh, noon. So you can actually get some breakfast food trucks. I mean, how awesome does that sound? There's going to be a lot of bacon there, I got to assume. And then we're working on getting them during the pub crawl on uh, the second day as well. So definitely something the audience should come check out. As in addition to all the great exhibitors and sponsors in the Expo Hall. And then secondly would be the first ever Evolution Invitational Golf Tournament, which is happening that Monday, followed by the uh, ATX Launch Party. So a lot of cool things happen on Monday. I should point out that the ATX Launch Party is invite only. It's restricted to first-time partner attendees, the sponsors of the party, and also the pre-conference attendees. 
let me just say, Kevin, the fact that you use the term ATX for Austin, Texas, you are about as hip as they come. And me using the word hip probably shows that I'm not. One could say, Craig, that sometimes it's hip to be square. It's hip to be square. (laughs) You definitely epitomize what Huey Lewis was talking about there. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm a Huey Lewis fan. I'll take that as a compliment. I mean, why wouldn't you be? I I love the news. Kevin, you didn't even know you were doing it, but you set me up perfectly with the reference to the news because our call for news to sponsors and exhibitors for the show has gone out. So I'd encourage them to get back to me as soon as possible and not wait till that September 15th deadline before they get their news for the show in. That's going to be going up on the ChannelPartnersOnline.com website, as well as our auto Twitter feed. Definitely a value add for for sponsors and for the partners because uh, there's a lot of great news to talk about out there. Hopefully that got everyone pumped up to be in Austin, Texas in late September. And I'll tell you something else that's going to pump our audience up, Craig. They don't have to hear us anymore. Let's go ahead and announce our first guests. All right, Kevin, pleased to welcome our first guest to the show. They have their own podcast called Volley, where they go back and forth on industry issues. From CompTIA, let's welcome Carolyn April, Director of Industry Analysis, and Seth Robinson, Senior Director of Technology Analysis. Carolyn and Seth, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thanks, hey, Craig. Thanks, Craig. All right, Kevin, before we get into this hardcore interview with uh, Carolyn and Seth, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Seth's Twitter page, which is a must for anyone in the industry to check out. First of all, uh, the bow tie picture is classic, but also uh, referring to yourself as one of the greatest thinkers of my generation. That was one of the inspirations for me to put uh, some of those buzzwords on my Twitter page, like thoughtitician and, and some of these other things that were just made up. But yours is totally classic. You know, it's self-proclaimed. No one has officially given me that title, but uh, I'm glad that it caught your eye and we'll roll with it. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) Seth, you've kept that hidden from me, so we need to talk about this offline. Well, if you would ever join Twitter, you could see it. No, no, no. Kicking and screaming into Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Love the banter there. Love the banter. I got to tell you, uh, Carolyn and Seth, it was an absolute blast uh, participating in ChannelCon in Austin a few weeks ago. Thank you so much for having Craig and I down there. Great to see everybody at the JW Marriott. And, you know, as you know, we work together on a lot of things. And we uh, share a lot of common partners and vendors. So can you both tell us uh, a little bit about what a few of your biggest takeaways from the event were? I had a a series of panels there that I did and interviews. So I I got to meet with and talk with a few other people on stage. And it wasn't just me up there sort of pitching research like we sometimes do. And you guys probably know from, from seeing some of our research through the year, a lot of my focus over the past year or so has been on digital transformation as I've studied cloud and security and mobility and all of these things individually. I, along with a lot of other people, see that companies are changing themselves and it's not just the technology they're bringing in. So a lot of my discussions really showed how people are starting to embrace the operational side of things and recognize that they have to put the right structures in place. They have to put the right processes in place if they're going to get the most use out of the technology. And the interest in technology is still definitely there. We had a great panel on security. And I had an interview with Frank Coker on emerging tech. And and people are always looking at the horizon, trying to see what's come down the pipe and now figure out how it all works together and integrates rather than doing standalone projects that'll help their business. Yeah, no, Seth, I would agree uh, that operational efficiency seemed to be a big takeaway. That's not a sexy topic, 
uh, necessarily, but one of the panels that I did was specific to that, and it was specific to the MSP market. And it was, you know, highly attended. These people were really engaged, and they were really talking about the wonky imperatives to running your business correctly, and not just how the technology all works together, but being a, a well-oiled machine when it comes to the business model itself, internal operations and external operations. And you know, I think a lot of people come to an event like ChannelCon because they're looking for that kind of business advice, and they want to become better at um, driving revenue and better at making sure they get as much profit out of what they're doing. And I saw that quite frequently in some of the sessions that both either I was a moderator for, but also sessions that I sat in on. The other session that that I did, that also I'll speak about that, was uh, during our vendor summit on Monday. I think the biggest message to take away is that channel ecosystem is enlarging. And I don't mean that the channel itself, as we know it, is getting bigger, because I believe the channel itself traditionally is is shrinking a bit. But the number of newer type companies that don't identify as channel companies, they might even not know what, you know, what is the the channel as we know it so well. And they identify as something completely different. And yet they're really doing channel business. So we're talking about a lot of these partners who are aligning with ISVs and they're selling or integrating SaaS applications for customers. They don't necessarily identify as a channel. A lot of these are, you know, consider folks who are maybe in the Salesforce ecosystem. And I was lucky enough to have one of the folks from Salesforce sit on this particular panel. Likewise, you've got, you know, you've got a subset of, of folks who work in professional services. So we're talking about law offices and accounting firms that are reselling or referring uh, software packages and doing so because it's stuff that they've worked with in their own professions for years. That's also a channel activity. And then you have this whole crop of digital marketing firms that are really doing a lot of the work that traditional solution providers had been doing. And they are very well positioned for this digital age. And they're helping companies become more digitized. And having attended seven channel cons and previously called Breakaway, since I've been working at um, CompTIA, I think this was the first year that I finally saw some of these newer entrants really coming and see, and being at ChannelCon for the first time. And I heard some good things and good feedback from them. You mentioned SaaS, Carol, and let's uh, dive into that a little more. I know you just completed a study uh, regarding SaaS and the channel. What were some of the takeaways you got from that? And was there anything that surprised you? Yeah, we did do this study. So this was a study on uh, software as a service activity within the channel. So the respondents in this survey were channel companies and channel companies who said that part of their revenue came from SaaS. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is a lot of traditional solution providers are doing SaaS. It isn't its own ecosystem. There's been so much media hype about this, this, the SaaS world, and then there's everybody else. And I think there's some degree of truth to that. But what I found in the data was that many of the traditional solution provider world, SaaS is part of their portfolio. It's not all of their portfolio. In fact, it's, it's just, it's a growing piece, but it's certainly not the majority of their revenue. And the interesting part is, there's no one way to do SaaS. The number of options for how you're going to make money off software as a service are myriad. It's not just reselling Office 365. In fact, what we found is where the majority of people in the channel who are doing SaaS or SaaS is in their portfolio are making money is through integration and customization. Now, those sound like real old school services that the channel offers, but it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. SaaS applications are living in the cloud. A customer may have multiple of them all over the place. In fact, there is some stat out there that says 
you know, the average company, average enterprise company especially has, you know, some absolutely ridiculous number of cloud-based applications in different sources. And so all of those need to be integrated to speak well to one another. And that's where the channel is uniquely fit to work. And then you've got customization. And this was the other takeaway I had is that many of these SaaS applications are very horizontal. They're very vanilla, basic applications for collaboration or CRM or whatever they're for. And what needs to happen is end customers find once they've self-provisioned these applications is that they don't work with their particular vertical industry as well as they would like. And so the third party channel firm has the opportunity, and I think the savvy ones are doing this right now, are coming in and they're customizing those applications to fit into manufacturing or retail or healthcare, or you name it, education for their customers. And one of the questions we had on the questionnaire was, has SaaS given you an entrance into vertical industries? Vast majority of the respondents said that SaaS had been their door opening to getting into a vertical expertise. And I think for many channel players, verticals are the way to go. So that's probably some good news coming out of the SaaS study. She's feeling sassy, Kevin. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Well played, Craig. Super sassy, yeah. (laughs) Well, Seth, uh, I recently read... And speaking of sassy, I know that comes as a shock to Craig. So he did read an in- <laughs> read an interview you had given, to and I would say, and my wife and kids that I'm actually reading things, so that they're shocked too. But uh, I did read an interview you gave about new technologies, and in particular, IoT and smart cities. You had some poignant things to say about the partner opportunity within those spaces. Uh, would you mind sharing with our audience some of that insight? Sure. To start with, Carolyn, clearly we're going to have to up our pun game on our yes, podcast. Uh, I was about we're, to we're say We're not clearly as, as good as these guys, but... No, you really need to downgrade it, and then you'll be down at our level. <laughs> well said. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's a lot of new tech on the horizon, like I mentioned earlier, and a lot of people want to talk about it, especially within our industry. I think you take a topic like cloud computing and... People feel like they've been talking about it for a long time, and they have. The reality, if you look at a lot of end users, is a lot of them are still struggling with things that we on the leading edge of the industry probably discussed a while ago, and we were talking about early migrations and things like that, and we're beginning to get more advanced, but there are so many people still struggling with these things uh, and, and not quite ready for the emerging stuff. So it's good to get a view in front of it and kind of see what might be coming down the pipe. And IoT is definitely the next one on the list. People have been talking about that for the past year or so uh, quite a bit. It's, it really took over as, as the buzzword within the industry. And it's a very broad topic. Uh, you mentioned smart cities. You know, that's a, a great example of, I think, the high-end super complex things that can be done with Internet of Things. As you're building out physical infrastructure that's connected, you're giving intelligence to devices that didn't have intelligence before, you're gathering a lot of data, and you're spreading that across an entire government organization that's charged with running the city. You can really gain a lot of efficiencies there. On the very small end of the scale, you've got a very small business. And Maybe all they're doing to begin with is just installing some smart lighting or a smart thermostat in their office just to try to automate things a little bit more, control the costs in in those areas a little bit. And I think IoT covers all of that. And so there's a wide range of opportunity for partners to jump in on, depending on which vertical, depending on the size of the partner. I mean, obviously, they can do a lot of traditional things like installing the, the hardware. 
And those traditional things extend to setting up storage and setting up the networks. We see all the time in our research that network upgrades are a hidden cost of new technology initiatives. People are just underestimating the number of things that are going to be connected, the amount of data that's going to go across the network, and they end up having to do something with the network. And that might be physical upgrades, or it might be configurations and quality of service. But a a traditional network provider can step in there and provide a lot of help for someone, even if they're not doing the data analytics on the back end, which is another opportunity for firms like Carolyn mentioned. It might might not be someone that traditionally identifies as an MSP, but it's another party that can step in. Or it could be an MSP that's branching out into that area, maybe working adjacent to some spaces and some skills that they already have. So I think that all of that setup, uh, which can be broken out into many areas, is a great first step. And then you've got a lot of the back-end activity, like the analysis of data, matching that to business needs and business questions, and especially security. One of the big issues with IoT is that you're dealing with vendors that have always provided things like lighting and thermostats and infrastructure pieces and whatever it might be, but they haven't always built up the expertise in computing systems or security around those systems. And, and so they're, they're not always following the best practices. And obviously, there are new loopholes and vulnerabilities that are being introduced. Uh, and so there's a lot of vendor selection and vendor questioning that goes into this and, and making these things secure is an ongoing battle. And we see that all the time that you can't go a week or even a day without seeing some kind of breach, some kind of security headline. And more and more, that's around emerging technology as people's appetite for their technology is kind of exceeding their desire to improve security. I think there's a ton of opportunity out there. And the the last one that I would mention is probably just education because you get past IoT and you get into artificial intelligence and augmented reality and blockchain and a lot of things that very few people are really handling these days and companies have questions and they want to know what the technology is all about, how it can be used, what are the examples, what are the use cases. And so there's a lot of pure consulting that can be done there, education on these spaces. And for a lot of solution providers, that probably takes some learning on their own, but it's a good place to be so that they can guide their clients in the right direction. So much of the technology that we're seeing is theoretically possible. And I think solution providers have to help their clients get to a point where the technology is practically achievable and they're putting in place the things that are really going to help them in their business. So many elements to IoT. That's a great job of wrapping up the channel opportunity there in just a few minutes, Seth. I wanted to ask you guys, what should the CompTIA community expect to see from your organization maybe over the course of the next uh, six months uh, to a year? Maybe hit on a couple of the key initiatives you've got. Lots of big parties to begin with. Toga, toga, toga. Of course. <laughs> big, big <Heaven's> parties. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Seth, maybe I'll just I'll kind of give a little summary here. Maybe we can dive into it a bit. But I think one of the there's a lot going on at Contia, obviously, and I don't speak for the entire organization coming from the research department. But we're a busy association, and we have a lot of constituencies. And I think next year's focus is trying to make sure that we are serving each of those constituencies as well as we can. And so one of the things our CEO, Todd Thibodeau, has come up with is something he's calling the four quadrants, which basically breaks CompTIA's groupings and members, groupings into four different buckets, I guess, would be a way to put it. And so these are four of the focus areas for us for next year, and I'll just outline them. One is public advocacy. We have a team in Washington, D.C., for those of you who don't know that. Um, it's a pretty 
pretty significant team and they do lobbying on Capitol Hill. You know, they really kind of push the tech agenda uh, as much as they can, the IT worker agenda and legislation as much as they can get passed through. In fact, on one of our most second most recent um, edition of Volley, we had somebody from our public policy team come on to talk about a particular piece of legislation uh, around IT apprenticeships. Uh, that they are pushing through. And they've got a pretty good, healthy support from uh, members of Congress, both in the House and the Senate right now. That is a big area for CompTIA, and it will continue to be next year. Seth, I'll let you talk about the certification side, since you know that and the IT pro side. But one of the other bucket areas is the channel. That has been a bedrock part of what CompTIA does. Obviously, you come to ChannelCon, you can see that. It tends to be the majority of our membership at this pr- at present time. And so we will continue to make sure that through research and education, and uh, other initiatives that we are paying attention to, what is, I think, a really dynamic area right now where the channel is evolving as we go into digital transformation, as Seth mentioned earlier, and these emerging technologies and channel players try to figure out where they fit in and how they continue to survive. And I think there's got to, there are a lot of questions there. And so um, CompTIA will continue to be helping them in that regard. And then there are two other areas, and I'm going to let Seth talk about those because those are more near and dear to his heart, I think, and he knows more than I do. <laughs> I don't know if I know more than you do, but I'm glad to talk about these two. The the B2B segment is kind of where our certifications live. A lot of people know CompTIA for certifications. They're, they're not familiar with the channel or the membership side of things. And for a long time, we've been certifying IT professionals. And we do a lot of that by working directly with organizations. And, and organizations will buy a set of vouchers. This could be an educational institution or it could be a company that's buying vouchers for its employees. Uh, and then obviously, we've got some people that just do it on an individual basis. But that B2B segment is capturing our certification activity, which is expanding to include new certifications like the new CSA Plus that we launched this year around cybersecurity analytics. And we're also trying to provide more training for the certifications. We've often worked with academic partners and third parties that provide training materials and will continue to work with them but uh, we have a lot of institutional knowledge as well. We're working directly with the SMEs on building out objectives for exams. And so we're in a good position to provide that training directly and really help a person from the start of their interest in an IT career through their training and education and their certification and then into this final area that we're beginning to focus on, which is IT professionals. We acquired AITP at the beginning of this year. We've just recently launched the new AITP with services for students and professionals, and we're really expecting that to grow. We, we've, we've done a lot of preliminary steps in that, like at ChannelCon, where we have the track for text, or, or we've taken that track for text sessions and we've moved it into a separate day that we had at the end of the year, and we're going to repeat that again. So we, we have a lot of good momentum with certifications and with services that we've been providing these people. And we're really excited to begin connecting with them more beyond just the certification step. Uh, so we expect to do a lot more with IT professionals in the future. And the thing that I would say that's kind of running through all of this, and it especially impacts, I think, IT professionals, is that there's a little bit of a movement in the general economy, I think, to expand the notion of IT or maybe evolve the notion of IT into this notion of, you might hear it called enterprise technology or just technology within the business. But businesses are clearly using technology in different ways. You've got lines of business that procure their own technology, and you've got marketing people and salespeople that are very proficient in the technology they're using. And a lot of CompTIA's resources 
can benefit those people as well. And, and so even though a lot of the direct focus might be on IT professionals, there are certain benefits that we're going to build out that I think can be more broadly used in that IT pro quadrant or in any of the other three quadrants that we mentioned. Well, I think, Seth, it speaks to every business is a technology business now. And, you know, that's kind of cliche. We all say it, but it's absolutely true. And I think the four quadrants here that um, that we are um, pushing for next year and we're pushing now, as a matter of fact, you know, play into that fact. It's not just one monolithic technology industry, but technology and digitization touch everybody now, no matter where you play. Uh, so it's important for us as an association to make sure that we are paying attention to the entire universe uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to just very specific buckets. I want to add one thing. I'm remiss to, to not mention this, but back when we were talking about ChannelCon and some of the takeaways is that Todd, our CEO's keynote, was about diversity in tech. And I think that was mm-hmm. something that we should definitely address. I am going to be doing my next research study on diversity in tech. And specifically, I'll do a little drill down on diversity in the channel, which I think is uh, is long overdue as well. Um, but I think that that was a big topic area. And I believe that that is something that CompTIA is going to continue to focus on very heavily going forward. I know it's one of the things that is near and dear to our exec team's heart. And it's something that you will see in initiatives, I think, going forward for next year. That is phenomenal stuff. I do have to say, Craig, uh, after listening to Carolyn and Seth, we really need to elevate our intelligence game uh, on, our, on our podcasts. We don't, we don't bring the value like they do. Well, you're reading now, so that's the first step. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting there. I, I was going to say, with all the smart city talk, the only way Phoenix is going to become a smart city is if they boot you out of it. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. Very nice. Yeah, Seth teed me up for that one. Yeah, um, he sure did. Don't track me into this. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of ChannelCon, again, being in Austin, Texas, you know, our show, Channel Partners Evolution, is going to be in Austin, Texas in late September. And Carolyn, as I understand it, you're going to be there and participating in, you know, some panels and some meetings. You're you're on our advisory board. Thank you very much. And uh, if you could just tell our audience a little bit about what they can expect to see from you and CompTIA uh, while they're in Austin in late September, other than all the parties. Oh, no. well, uh, yeah, I like parties. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I, you know, I'd never been to Austin until ChannelCon this year. It's the first time in all of my years. I won't tell you how many, but I've never been there. And it's so odd because I've traveled so much for work uh, and I loved it. And so I'm excited to go back. So I'm glad you guys decided that as a venue, which is fantastic. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I've, I've, I've seen you guys evolve over the years in your events, and I'm looking forward to attending. I'm going to be there for um, a pre-conference day, uh, which I guess would be the first day prior to the actual opening of the conference, where we are inviting first-timers to the channel. So, co- you know, companies or executives that may be considering opening a channel business or those who have just started a channel business are going to be there. And we will be presenting a number of facilitators. We'll be giving our, sharing our thoughts on what it means to run a channel company, some of the business model implications, what's going on today versus what was going on yesterday, and some of the challenges and opportunities that we here on this podcast today have discussed for the channel. So that should be super exciting. I, I like to do things like that, and I'm looking forward to that. And then I will be attending as an advisory board member, as you mentioned, Kevin, and looking forward to a couple of really good meetings. We kind of uh, try to kick up uh, and, and brainstorm some new initiatives for the coming year, and we talk about the things that we've done in the past year, and that's always really instructive, and uh, and it helps inform me for some of the ideas that I want to bring back to CompTIA in deciding what the next research project we might want to work on. So it should be a good time. Looking forward to the substance and the parties. 
and you can make a joke off that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you guys brought up evolution because it reminded me of how much Kevin has evolved since he posed for that classic evolution drawing with all the uh, men that are hunched over and gradually stand upright. (laughs) The what? I've seen evolution happening on this podcast from the beginning to the end. Might be going backwards. <laughs> uh, we're really looking forward to seeing you guys at evolution and we should remind everyone that you have your own podcast called volley i assume that folks can find it in the usual spots soundcloud itunes that sort of thing yep definitely yes, soundcloud itunes i just hooked it into stitcher so it's there now vinyl cassette eight track all those places all of them yep you got it all right carolyn and seth thanks so much for your time thank you thanks both. guys our pleasure yeah thanks for having us All right, Kevin, one of our best interviews to date. What do you think? I have to agree with you thanks to the info that Seth and Carolyn brought to us, but I don't know how you really did, but I got to say I'm all right. Ah, that's right. That reminds me, you've got a big night planned for tonight. What's going on? I sure do. As alluded to in the past few podcasts, I will be attending Kenny Loggins this evening with the family. We're going to hear all those soundtrack hits. So is this an outdoor venue or an indoor one you're going to? It's an outdoor venue, and of course, it's one of the hottest days of the year here in D.C., so it's going to be an adventure, but, you know, a lot of Gatorade, a lot of water. We can bring in our own coolers and things like that, so we're going to definitely keep hydrating. It's definitely worth it for an outdoor venue. It makes a huge difference uh, for concerts, in my opinion. It does. And it's actually, it's it's a wolf trap, which is, uh, you know, it's a national park as well. So it's just a, it's a really cool venue. People bring their picnic blankets and and you just sit down on the lawn and, and, and watch some loggins. I mean, you really can't beat that. So speaking of making a difference, Kevin, that's what our next guest is trying to do in the master agent space. Craig, I am very pleased to welcome into the coffee house the founder and CEO of Colotrack, Danny Bushdeed. Danny, how are you doing? Great, great. Thanks, guys, for having me today. Thank you so much for joining. So I just want to kick things off. Can you tell our audience that doesn't know Colotrack already, that may not have seen you at, at our events, um, a little bit about your business, uh, how it got started, and some of the things you're doing now? Yeah, so it's uh, it's a really interesting journey. Uh, we just celebrated our 18th uh, year in business, actually this month. Uh, August 5th was our official 18th birthday. And uh, we got started in the late 90s, actually as a design and build firm. So we have very technical roots. We started off really designing and building and retrofitting data centers back prior to the dot-com bubble bursting. Uh, we got into the business, did, did some some deployments and some work for companies that don't exist anymore, like Genuity, Exodus, BSI, NAD, so on, and a couple of telecom carriers as well for their COs. And then uh, after the dot-com bubble burst, we had one of our first transformations, which is to become a business-to-business broker, bringing buyers and sellers together of existing data center space. And at the time, it was a very brick-and-mortar world pretty much dominated by the world of real realtors. And, and, and if you think of the founders of Switch and Data, for example, they were all previous commercial realtors and construction. It was a very brick and mortar world. And then we've, uh, you know, we've been at the heart of it ever since. So as the industry evolved and it started going towards closer to the app layer and a lot of the pure data center providers started becoming managed hosting providers, we also evolved and started adding managed hosting providers. And then as it evolved further up to the app layer and became more of a as a service type or cloud-based model, all of a sudden you fast forward to today and we find ourselves with over 400 direct agreements with practically every data center infrastructure provider worldwide 
that covers the whole gamut of the DCI value chain. So we've got all the wholesale REITs, we've got the retail co-location providers, we've got managed hosting providers, and then enterprise cloud or infrastructure as a service. In fact, 200 of those 400 agreements are with cloud providers. And that's a l- usually a little known fact about us because our name is still Colotrack. So I think mm-hmm. there's an association with just brick and mortar and data centers and colo, but that's actually not not true. And for the most part of the last two, three years, the majority of our biggest projects have been cloud-based as well. So it's been uh, hybrid cloud has been a very popular product for us. So tons of providers that are doing well with us uh, in Colotrack that are providing private and uh, hybrid and custom cloud. So Danny, with Colotrack being a, an expert when it comes to data center infrastructure and as a master agency, it's probably worth us bringing up the uh, announcement you guys had just here, oh, a few weeks ago about your data center migration services. Can you uh, tell us what partners should know about that? Sure, absolutely. I mean, 2017 for us, um, if you had tracked, uh, if you look at our press releases for the whole year, 2017, we made a concerted effort to focus on any kind of value added service that could become a tip of the spear for us to get into that conversation about data center infrastructure. So we looked at the, the, the decision makers who make these decisions and what sorts of products and services do they actually really need? What will they return a call uh, quickly from one of our channel partners and agents or from our own direct sales, let's say? Uh, and we realized that we needed to have these suite of value-added professional services that we bundle in, that we integrate. So this past, this most recent one that you're referring to was was one of one such services, data migration. What's nice about what we're offering with that is it's not just physical data center migration. We can absolutely do that worldwide in any market. The actual lift and shift and rack and stack and physical movement of servers and and, and equipment. But we can also uh, we also have partnerships. We can do the virtual data migration, the actual migration of the databases, the actual data. So we'll do data quality management and actually move that. And it's completely virtual, not physically moving anything, but we're moving the most important thing, which is the actual data, the application. So we can do that as well. So it it encompasses both ends of it. And then previous to to that, we had uh, also uh, unveiled earlier in the year, a cloud assessment and cloud readiness program. Uh, And this is a free assessment that we're offering through our channel and as well as our direct clients uh, to be able to actually see what parts of their infrastructure is actually cloud ready. And this is a part of the business. Again, it's a tip of the spear for the conversation and the dialogue uh, with data center infrastructure folks at, at the end users, because a lot of times the legacy applications are inextricable and you can't actually migrate everything so readily. So there needs to be some planning and forethought put into that whole process of migrating to the cloud. Danny, you could do us a huge favor on this podcast by helping us migrate our legacy application, Craig Galbraith. <laughs> Where are you going to migrate me to? We'll gladly take them. Hey, if, if, if this is on the table, <laughs> much hey, there you go. I'll gladly migrate them right here. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Thanks for setting well, me up there, Kevin. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was unintended, but nice work. You know, I, I figured I was teeing you up there, Craig. You know, you know the love I have for you, brother. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if, you've, if you guys have noticed, but we've been really expanding dramatically. Um, we've hired six people this year, two more planned before year end. And then we're looking at tripling the size of our staff over the next two years. So it's uh, wow. it's been meteoric. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Long time in the making. You know, we've been we've been behind the scenes a lot. And 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 I, I remember my marketing guy when he first got involved with us last year, he got to know all our capabilities and, and realized and he looks at me one day and says, 
no offense, but you guys really suck at making noise and pounding your chest. And that's the only reason you're on there. You're not even bigger. And, and, and he's right. You know, we don't do a really good job of marketing and branding and selling ourselves as much as some of our competitors do. There's a lot of competition, as, as you guys know, in this industry. Mm-hmm. And pretty much I can assure you, everybody that you think is a competitor of Coldrack is also using us to get to the provider. So there, you know, some of our biggest perceived competitors are some of my top agents as well. Well said, a coopetition. I, I like that. And one of the themes that we're going to have on this podcast is that I do actually read occasionally, Danny, which surprises our audience and my family. But, uh, you know, I did read one of your blogs recently and, and it was, uh, there is no cloud. There is just someone else's computer that you had written on the Colotrack website. And I thought that was very interesting. And rather than having me try to misexplain it, uh, why don't you tell our audience what that's all about and where you were going there? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what that's all about. Uh, about six years ago, maybe seven at this point, a good friend of mine who is in IT comes to me frantically. What are you going to do, Danny? Did you hear about this cloud thing? Are you guys going to be okay? I mean, he really thought it was the end of the world of Colo Track, and it was the end of the world of all things Colo. And you know what? He wasn't alone. I still, to this day, still see articles, poorly written articles. I mean, they're actually well written, but they're just misguided. How cloud is the be all end all, and it's going to end the need for colocation of data centers. And it just it cracks me up because we're in the heart of it, and it's done nothing but raise the whole ocean for all things data center infrastructure related. Because where do you think the cloud lives? It lives in the data center. This is just a different way to bill for the same thing. If you actually like reading some of my articles, scroll further back on our website, even it's on there. And I wrote one where I compared what's happening in our world to the world of the auto industry. And I compared Uber and Zipcar as the cloud models of the auto industry. So does that mean because of Uber now, the auto industry is going to panic? And Actually, if you look at when Uber came onto the scene seven years ago, seven or eight years ago, the auto sales have, have skyrocketed. Everything related to auto. So now more repairs are happening, more civil infrastructure is necessary because more miles have been, are being driven. It's opened it up. There's a lot of times when I, when I lived in Manhattan, I would just walk around and I, I Uber everywhere. It's actually been tremendous for the auto industry. It's just been a displacement. So now a lot of these drivers have to replace, the Uber drivers have to replace their cars more often. They have to service them more often. They have to fill them up with more gas, get more tires. Every kind of business model associated with the auto industry has actually been elevated because of that. Because if you look at miles driven in total by people, that's actually been lifted because of those models. And and if you look at computing cycles as the same thing as miles driven in in that world, it's a perfect correlation. And, And that's really what cloud has done. It's just made it possible for a lot of CIOs and CTOs and major enterprises who in the old days would have to make tough, tough decisions of putting certain initiatives and projects on the back burner because of CapEx requirements and even just OpEx because you have to be committing to a three-year or five-year co-location agreement for a fixed rate. You don't know if that application is going to take off and you're committing to this infrastructure for it. Now they can actually do all things at the same time. They can deploy certain mission-critical applications in a physical co-located environment where they have all those controls and the hands-on. And then they can do a lot of their DevOps on the, on the public cloud, even not even a private cloud, and then everything in between. So they really could almost trigger and go in parallel and deploy multiple projects initiatives on different platforms. And that's where I think we are so uniquely positioned that we can have that conversation across the board. Because it's not any one platform. No one project or one CIO and CTO of a single company is choosing one platform. It really, they do workload optimization at this point. They look at the application, they look at the workloads, and, and they decide this makes sense on this platform while this makes sense on that. 
And if you can't talk that entire talk from end to end, you're not really going to be doing a, a, that client a big service. Danny, speaking of cloud and applications, you guys have a pretty regular webinar series that you do. And I, I noticed you've got one coming up next Wednesday at two o'clock Eastern entitled Hybrid Cloud. Are you connected to the benefits? So what do you want folks in our audience to know about that and what they'll take away from it? Like I said earlier, I think this is hybrid cloud has been, and I my prediction it's going to be for the foreseeable future, at least up to five years, the way that most enterprises are going to deploying their data center infrastructure. It's really the best of both worlds. You're, you're mitigating the security issues that, that are typically associated with being on a public cloud platform or reliability on a pure public cloud platform. So you've got your mission critical data in a controlled physical environment yet you still have the connectivity through Direct Connect or any kind of uh, interoperability, depending on who that hybrid cloud provider is, with the public cloud or even a private cloud. So the hybrid approach has been, and I see it as continuing to be the ideal way to realize all the benefits of cloud without really any of the risks. And that's why we're, we're big on training our partners about it, opening their eyes about the opportunities, training them on what questions to ask when, when they're in front of a client, and how to uncover these opportunities. Danny, that is awesome stuff. And why don't you just remind our audience before we, we go here uh, where they can find that webinar and where they can find ColoTrack. If you just want to go to our website, it's www.colotrack.com. The uh, hybrid cloud uh, webinar, if you're an existing partner, just ask your channel manager for an invite. Otherwise, if you follow us on any social media, that link has also been distributed and you can register for the webinar on any of our social media platforms, whether it's LinkedIn or ColorTrack Facebook page or Twitter. We've got two Twitter accounts, one for me personally and for the company. This link will be there to register for the webinar on all those sources. Kevin, before we let Danny go, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, ColorTrack always has one of the best parties in Vegas at the Channel Partners Conference and Expo. That is a no doubter, Craig. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That's awesome. All right. So for anyone or not, audience who needs a little help spelling ColoTrack, that would be C-O-L-O-T-R-A-Q.com. That's a place to go to uh, find out more about what's happening over there at ColoTrack. Danny, thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Absolutely. See you in Austin. Thanks right. so much, Danny. Thanks, guys. Craig, as always, it's awesome to talk to Danny. Uh, you really owe me one there, bud, because uh, if this podcast doesn't work out, I think I just set you up uh, inadvertently with another job opportunity. <laughs> I'm totally flattered, Kevin, but I think we both know that I couldn't possibly leave you. <laughs> that, that means a lot, man. That really does. That totality hits me right on the heartstrings. <laughs> and just a reminder to everyone, check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and Kevin podcasts. Just go to iTunes and search Channel Partners Online, or you can also find us on SoundCloud. And just like the uh, sun coming back out from behind the moon, the sun goes round the moon. Channel Partners Evolution is right around the corner, September 25th to the 28th. Hope to see you there. Bye now.